Welcome to Potline Bling, the podcast where we talk about cannabis, science, and cool things going on in the industry. I'm your host, JJ Coombs. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing the founder of the Global Cannabinoid Research Center in Santa Barbara, California, and a multiple cancer survivor, Mike Robinson. Mike, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So, Mike, you've you've done a lot of cool things in the industry. You are on uh, the hundred list of High Times most influential people in the industry in 2021. Why don't we get this podcast started by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Well, you know, my background is far beyond cannabis. I I used to be a race car driver long ago. In 1995, I got in a pretty brutal accident or wreck uh, on the track. It's really not an accident, <laughs> you know, and, and I was critically injured. Uh, and that gave me uh, a severe form of epilepsy. Uh, I had to find a different route in life. And and as I came home from the hospital, I found my son, my own biological son, that's about 30 years old now, uh, to be severely autistic. And that set me on the path. Uh, to become a civil rights lobbyist and represent kids in special education and in civil rights disputes. Uh, and, and it just was one thing after another, a cascading event, where eventually, you know, after about 20 years of doing that, I saw you know, or had the ability to use cannabinoid medicine and, and that stopped my seizures and allowed me to also share all of that abundance of information to the thousands and thousands of people that I'd worked with over the last two decades. So it was a pretty interesting evolution coming from being somebody that represented disabled children in one realm um, to move into the cannabinoid medicine world where we're representing them in a whole different way. That's amazing. When you talk, when you say cannabinoid medicine, can you go into a little more detail about that? Is it, is it, you know, just CBD, CBG, like the, the, the cannabinoids that people know of, or you dove a little deeper into that? Well, you know, when it comes to cannabinoid medicine, we delve a little bit deeper into that. Um, you know, my own history includes not just finding severe epilepsy over that two decade period of time before I started ingesting and, and helping the other kids. Uh, I also had cancers, three different stage four cancers. And that was one of the reasons High Times honored me, which felt a little bit strange, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm like on this top 100 list because I, I lived. And I guess that's one heck of an achievement when you have three stage four cancers. So when we look at cannabinoid medicine, we look far beyond THC, CBD, dabs, joints. And, and we also include the future. And as much as a lot of us don't like it, uh, the future is including pharmaceutical companies, pharmaceutical preparations, nanotechnology, some next level creations far, far beyond what we see for sale in the dispensary. But it is one in a whole. So when you look at a joint, for example, to a dab, to what GW Pharma made with Epidelex, you know, their CBD juice, um, it's all cannabinoid medicine. It's a term that brings legitimacy to the cannabis movement. Absolutely. You know, I, I have um, a doctorate in pharmaceutical sciences. I got into this industry 
for that reason, right? I, I turned down a job in biotech to to you know educate people on the the wonders that cannabis can do from from a pharmaceutical perspective. Um, so it's it's very refreshing to hear this. You know, I've been in the industry for a while. I'm you know I, I have my brand, I have my lab, I I sell raw materials. Um, you know, and, and there's definitely a huge sector that takes this for, uh, you know, medicinal use, but, but there's, there's, you know, also the sector that, you know, takes, uh, cannabinoids for recreational purposes. Um, so you were talking about like GGW and, you know, kind of diving a little bit deeper, um, while you had your, your cancer, what was your go-to, uh, cannabinoid, uh, you know, medicine, you know, did you do uh, tinctures, gummies? You know, it's it's uh, pretty incredible because as I started the cancer battle, I also started the the movement from being somebody as a civil rights lobbyist that did legal research to somebody in the world of cannabis or cannabinoid medicine researching in a whole different light to save my life. And And, you know, I started out, like everybody else does pretty much with cancer introduced to cannabinoids or cannabis RSO, you know, that was the thing mm -hmm. THC oil. Then it was THC oil with some CBN. Then it was THC oil with some CBN and this cool new thing that we started playing with, which was CBG back about seven years ago. So as much as it's really popular now, a CBGA because of the, Oregon State University study way back when, you know, when I was fighting cancer in 2015, 16, 17, and even 18, you know, it, it, it was a progression where it started out with RSO, THC oil, you know, or FICO, some call it, you know, as being the mainstay. And it was the number one thing that was provided by the huge compassion program that I ran, giving away oils to patients in need. Everything had to be THC oil, nothing could be from hemp back then. And that's, that's the interesting evolution, as I call it, just within myself, because I, I never would have guessed that or dreamed of, of loving hemp extracts like I do today and the acidic cannabinoids like I do today. But it took a period of time in fighting cancers. And I'm so glad you asked this question because I really thought that I would be able to beat cancer in 90 days with 60 grams. And, and nothing could be further than the truth than those memes that say that. Um, some people might only use, it's hard to say what somebody's going to use in their cancer battle because you need to know the type of cancer, the stage, the, the health, overall health of the human in the first place. You know, I mean, there's so many factors that come to this. So for me, you know, you had such a short question and I have a long answer, <laughs> but I went from, from the THC laden oils to other cannabinoids to nanotechnology to bathing myself in water-soluble nanotech thousands of milligrams at a time, I became a researcher by treating myself pretty much. So I would say I probably used at least 10 to 12 cannabinoids, in, including Delta-9 THCO acetate, the true THCO. That's incredible. I mean, we, we've done uh, at, at our lab uh, a good amount of research on this. You know, we're producing a ton of different cannabinoids, you know, we're acetylating CBD, 
uh, that's going to increase the bioavailability. We're doing like diacetyl CBD. We're doing like uh, THCO methoxy. You know, we're methylating. And it's, it's incredible to see how different it works when you do some manipulation to the cannabinoids, um, you know, from a farm, from a pharmaceutical perspective, you know, from how it binds to the half-life. And, you know, it's, we've seen a, a lot of success selling blends of different hemp cannabinoids, um, with, with THCs. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really nice to hear, uh, you know, from someone that, that went through this and, and used this as medicine, you know, talking about how, how it's helped you out. Um, getting into the, the water soluble, I know you mentioned nano. Um, did you, you know, when you were bathing in it, thousands of milligrams, I know when, when you're able to uh, encapsulate cannabinoids, um, it could actually penetrate the skin. So when you would lay in these tubs, would you ever just get out and, and, and like, feel high or, or, you know, feel some type of way? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's the science that I was using. I, I now am the 75% owner of uh, Nanotech Corp, Nanables, um, where I do a ton of R&D with water soluble. And it all came from how I treated myself. And I'll tell you, this is back in the wild, wild west compassion days where we made gallons of oil and gave them away. And things were given to us by the tote. And at one point, I had a guy who was closing up his shop and moving on to, he was going into energy sector or something. And he gave me this whole big tote of all of these bags and jars of, white stuff and i was like i don't use isolate he was like this isn't isolate this is (laughs) nano powder and nano serums and i was like i didn't know what you're talking about and and i started researching on my own and i figured out that same night exactly what he gave me and i was like wow this guy just handed me a quarter million dollars worth of stuff and immediately i started using it on myself so i could then make things for other cancer patients and start giving it away and i'll tell you i did some some soaks and i still do these today that are that were up to a couple thousand milligrams at a time using cbd cbg combo and some terpenes and you get out of that that tub even while you're in it you sort of go into this tubular existence and then you come out so ready for a restful sleep all the pain is gone all the the biggest thing that i was looking at in all of it was the the chronic issue with cancer patients and that's cytokine response syndrome this is the same thing that happens with covid we heard widely about the cytokine storm well that's just a a catchphrase pretty much for cytokine response syndrome, which cancer patients go through. And that's our, our, the same thing that happened with COVID where all these false signals are sent all over our body that we have inflammation when we don't. And we, we end up with a lot of pain. And by taking those soaks, it completely knocked that out. I would get out of that bath and just crash out and get eight or 10 hours of sleep. So it was pretty incredible you know and and i had no plans of being an owner of a nanotech entity or anything like that that came to me in like 2018 19 like almost four or five years later after getting that tote wow that's that's uh that's that's a cool story um to continue talking a little more about the nano you know we've we've um 
you know, we, we started doing like the, the, the nano solid, you know, nano water soluble with like, uh, uh, you know, your like, polysorbate 80, uh, your, your emulsifier and uh, sonicator. And, and as we progress, we actually, uh, switched over to making micelles, which are, which are smaller than the liposomes that are made in, like the traditional way. Um, and it's, it's made, it's made different. We don't have to use a sonicator and, uh, the, the actual dosage is lower. Um, do you, do, are you guys doing anything like that over in, uh, in, in the, the company? No, you know, I actually merged global cannabinoid research center into the nano entity because so much of the R and D is on nano and nanotech and, you know, actually not doing, um, anything like that, that's pretty next level, what you're talking about. And I've, I've read quite a bit about that. Um, I recently was the keynote at the World Nanotechnology Conference in Copenhagen, and I spoke on the dangers of nanotechnology. And, and you know, I've done that like three years in a row. Um, I always think that I'll never be asked back <laughs> because of the, the title, but I get asked to talk about the same thing again. And it's because and it's why I prefer the topical transdermal approach because we know there's a trickle effect into the bloodstream. We know we've got a lot of filtration barriers using the epidermis, using tissue, you know, using our, our muscles or everything else is picking up these, the, what's used to emulsify and, and encapsulate and, I personally have concerns about ingested nanotechnology products if I don't know who made them. And it's not that I don't think nanotechnology is safe to ingest. I definitely do. I just It's just like anything else. Any other industry, we have good players, bad players, and some people are using really good techniques that are really healthy for people, and some people aren't. You know, so when I say the dangers of nanotechnology, I more so mean, hey, just keep your eyes and ears out. And it's just like anything else. You should know your source and know what you're using. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I you know, I, I started my company a couple of years ago. And, and since I've started, I, I have noticed some of those, uh, you know, you want to call them bad players start getting weeded out of the industry. I mean, it's, it's so important. It's in, in particular when we're talking about using cannabinoids for a medicinal perspective to have all the right labs to use food safe, food grade ingredients. Um, you know, in, in particular with, with nano, you're right. I mean, it's, it's the reason why it's called nano is because it, it bypasses your, your um your your metabolism so it's able to go in right away because it's 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 you're encapsulating the cannabinoids and you know not only does it create a different feeling um but it doesn't get filtered through your through your liver like a traditional edible um so definitely i i, I can't agree with you more you know have the right labs um you know know who you're buying it from okay so yeah just the safety protocols are important um, you know, so it's, it's, and, and that's truly, you know, with, with nanotechnology, where I see the plant being able to find its place in the world of pharmaceuticals. There's a lot of concern that Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer, and GW, of course, was bought by Jazz Pharmaceuticals. So Jazz and, and all these big players that came in with literally more money than Canopy Growth has, you know, in just one year. 
they're all doing biotech research. A lot of them are doing it on my favorite cannabinoid, CVGA, and I get approached several times a week over it. Um, and and it's so we're going to see a lot of of, of synthetics, and we're going to see a lot of synthetics that come from plant cannabinoids that are abundant. And and I don't like that, to be honest with you, <laughs> at all. I believe that there are a lot of cannabinoids out there that could be synthesized. For example, your Varens, CBV is a very powerful cannabinoid people don't know about mm -hmm. that comes from CBGVA. And something like that, you know, I, I fully think is a great idea. You know, go ahead and synthesize things that you can't readily available get from the plant. But where I see cannabis staying intact where the plant itself will be able to be useful in the pharmaceutical world is definitely in nanotechnology you know that that's that's where i i feel like you know some people don't like pharmaceuticals or pharmaceutical companies i think it's for that reason you know me coming from that pharmaceutical background you know i could see for them it makes more sense to, to synthesize it you know it's it's and this this is like a hot topic for me it's like what's considered synthetic if it's nature identical i mean obviously it's it's not grown from the plant but you know if it's nature identical and it does the same thing and it's able to to, to be done in a cleaner uh you know more scalable environment um you know what's what's the harm in that you know although i i'm i'm from the industry you know i started off growing and and all that and, and i could definitely appreciate that um you know i i think for me, what what I would like to see is is you know the 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 full supply chain that the industry you know uh, affects is is who I want to you know keep in place. So you know, um, you know, from the farmer to the extractor to the guy that makes the isolate to the company that you know manufactures all the products and does the lab testing and you know pays for the marketing and and puts out the quality product. Um, so how, how do you feel about that? So like something that is, uh, I mean, considered synthetic, but, but it's nature identical. Well, you know, I don't have the problem with synthetics that a lot of people in the cannabis industry do. And the reason is very basic. I'm about three and a half years opioid free. What was I addicted to? Was I addicted to nature? No, I was addicted to synthesis. So can we truly uh, help people who have been on methadone for 10 years with THC not synthesized, not created into THCP, for example, or, or lab manipulated into? So, so we, we have so many different things to look at. You know, we have cer certain cannabinoids will have to be in a scheduled area. They're just too strong. PHCP, for example, the plant could be descheduled, but of course, something like that would stay scheduled because it would be used in pharmaceutical applications. And if it was synthesized, so what? If it works and stops the person from actually using the dangerous drug that could kill them, I mean, we, we have to stay in reality. And the reality is a ton of people don't have the right kind of medicine. And if we can have pharmaceuticals that are modeled after cannabinoids, and they are, as you state, they're like nature. You know, they're, they're working the same way. Then we start moving into 
what I truly look at as cannabinoid medicine. And I think I'm sort of separated from a big pack because I put endo in front of that word. I don't look at it as just cannabinoid. I look at the whole endocannabinoid system. I look at every single diagnosis people have, including cancers, as billing codes because that's what they are. It's how doctors get paid. It's how hospitals get paid. They need an ICD-10 code to say this person has this, and they use that same code to apply a bunch of pharmaceuticals that, that fit that diagnostic when truly the problems in the endocannabinoid system and truly when we look at research and science and all this emerging information what's actually working in our body to get us better endocannabinoids so if we look at treating the ECS and instead of throwing THC and CBD and stuff like that at problems like a band-aid pretty much and instead say, okay, this is the problem with the balance of the ECS, with satiation issues or whatever problem. And we fix the endocannabinoid system, and now it's actually producing the proper tone. Now we have a good endocannabinoid tone. We have uh, plenty of receptors, plenty of anatomide pumping, plenty of 2-AG. Now the person doesn't get cancer, Lyme's lupus. Their pain problems go away. So, So I believe that. There is a lot of room for a lot of medications that could be pharmaceutical that could actually help our endocannabinoid system function. I, I agree with that. Let's let's talk a little bit about um about about information that's available right now. Um, you know, something that we get a lot of questions on on is like dosing. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people get their information from uh, you know, what they read on social media or what they see on Instagram. Um, you know, how do you see, you know, as, as like an industry leader in this, like, how are you, uh, combating this and, and putting out the proper information for people to, you know, do their own research on and figure out what works best for their bodies? You know, I have a website that's called cannabinoidadvice.com. And on this website, which is not, it doesn't have much information, but it has the exact information to answer your question. It, it basically tells people that I do not give comment advice on social media because the right answer for somebody else with the exact same problem you have could be the very wrong answer for you. And I believe that, that, that as any type of influential person in the world of cannabis, we should all be sort of teaming up together to spread that message. As much as Facebook groups and Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else is a place to get information, everybody has a unique endocannabinoid system. They could have the exact same diagnosis and need two totally different protocols. People are not picking up information in regards to things like dose response. Most don't even know what it means. So the person takes this much of CBD, THC, you name it, what happens? We need to look at that and see how the endocannabinoid system responded and then make an adjustment to the dose. When I work with a patient one-on-one, -on -one, we're making adjustment after adjustment after adjustment, and we're not doing it based on the available cannabinoids. And this, We're doing it based solely on what's coming back from dose response logs, where people keep track of I took this many milligrams of this, this many milligrams of this, and this is what happened to me. 
And it's very important that people remember how unique they are as an individual in everything they do. Nobody draws the same, nobody writes the same, or nobody listens to music the same, you know? And our endocannabinoid systems are also that unique. Absolutely. You know, that and, and depending on how you ingest the the cannabinoid medicine, you know, everyone metabolizes cannab cannabinoids differently. Uh, you know, I remember in school looking up the pharmacokinetics of um of, of edibles, pharmacokinetics for listeners that don't know, it's it's how your body responds um to the medicine, right? Uh and it, it was so variable over edibles, and you know, I think that's why we have um, or at least I, I hear about or read about, you know, some people having bad experiences the first time they consume edibles or, you know, hey, my friend usually eats 20 milligrams and, you know, I ate 20 and I didn't feel anything. Um, so education is a big, big thing. Uh, Mike, what you're doing is incredible, um, not only for, you know, patients suffering from certain ailments like cancer, but, you know, also for the industry as a whole, we need more education in the industry. And, you know, it's, it, it takes us to, you know, talk about it and you know, go on podcasts and make websites and, you know, tell our stories. Um, so I, uh, I want to tell the listeners, if you guys want to know a little more about, about, uh, you know, Mike and, and his companies, you can go to cannabinoidadvice.com, mikesmedicines.com or, uh, cannabislovestory.com. Um, there's also, I see here, Mike, 50 K reasons. What, what's that? That's my email address. 50,000 people per year perish to epilepsy. And this was a study like a decade ago. And my email has stayed the same because we haven't had a new one. So there's 50,000 reasons to do what I do. And that's my, <laughs> at gmail.com. That's how to get a hold of me by email. There we go. There's also globalcannabinoidrc.com. And that's the uh, the research center where um, you know you can find more about the research that Mike's doing on this. Um, I want to thank all you listeners for taking the time to join us today. Mike, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to hop on this podcast. You can find our podcast on any of the major podcast streaming services, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.